And that's why that scripture says, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God has poured out the Holy Spirit in us. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us that will enable our mortal bodies to do what God called us to do. So that was two weeks ago. So I want to continue on this theme, how to navigate life. And I want to ask this question. Who wants to be mature, complete, and lack nothing? Well, this good news. <laughs> you can become mature, complete, and lack nothing. That's one of the things that God calls us to. And, and I want us to explore this this morning. We were born again by grace. There's nothing that we did or achieved to be saved. It was all God's grace. He sent His Son to become sin for us, to pay the price for our sin, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have it everlasting life. And so we enter into salvation and the kingdom of God, not by our works, but by grace. And so we are always reminded of God's grace and love and mercy towards us. Keeping us humble lest we boast that we achieved anything in our salvation. And so we are born again into the kingdom by grace. But we need to grow up in the kingdom of God. And this growing up is a process. It's called the process of sanctification. The theological term of becoming more like Christ. It is a process that involves God's grace and spirit. But also our will and willingness to follow Jesus. The word speaks about spiritual growth starting from infant to growing to become young men and ultimately fathers mature in the Lord. And so we become spiritual mature Christians through a process of growing up. Paul writes in Hebrews 5 from verse 11 to 14, about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And so here Paul speaks again of this concept of growing up spiritually. And some are still infants, child, children in the Lord. They cannot eat solid food yet. They need milk to grow up. And so we see in 1 John, we get this concept of children, young men, and fathers. And you can look at it a, a couple of uh, months ago, I think last year, I preached on this concept of growing up and the difference between a child, a young man, and an infant. But we need to grow up. Children need milk. They cannot eat solid food. They cannot chew for themselves. They need someone to interpret the word for them. And therefore, you cannot give a young Christian the pure um, challenge of Scripture without explaining and helping them to understand. 
And so we start off as spiritual children, and we need others to explain to us the Word of God. And then we grow up to the point of becoming young men and women in the Lord, where we can determine and, and discern and interpret Scripture for ourselves. We can actually chew for ourselves. And we can work through the concepts and realities and the challenges of the kingdom of God. And then as we start to determine and interpret the word correctly, it grows in us to the point where we start to apply the word of God. And once we start to apply the word of God in our life, we grow up to maturity where we become fathers. And now that we can interpret the word correctly, apply it for its purpose, and see it formed through our lives, we can now help others who have just entered into the kingdom how to interpret the word. It's the life cycle of Christianity. We start as infants, we grow to young men and women, and to become mature. So it is a process. Mature Christians have grown to the point that they can feed children Again, Now we are all called to grow up spiritually. A central part of our church purpose and mission is to grow Christians to become mature disciples of Jesus. That's part of our central focus of church, is to grow believers to maturity. We want to grow believers up to become mature disciples of Jesus. Different churches have different functions in the body of Christ. Some churches are great at making children and gathering young ones together. And others grow them up. And so we too, in the greater body of Christ, our purpose is to grow up believers. Different churches have different functions. It does not make us better than others. It just makes us different. And so in the body of Christ, different churches have different functions. But being part of this church, you will be faced with the challenge of growing up. We will not just give you milk. Our aim is to teach you to chew solid food. And then eat it. Apply it. So that you can become mature to disciple others again. We are going to chew a bit today. Please, do not swallow immediately. How to grow to become mature, complete, and not lacking anything. One of the primary ways we grow up spiritually is through suffering. Chew carefully. One of the primary ways we grow up spiritually is through suffering. Trials, tribulations, setbacks, hardship, and even suffering. James 1 says the following. James starts off with this. Chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds... Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, the process, so that you may be mature, complete, 
and not lack anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Father, we thank you this morning that we can come to you. And we can ask you, Lord, to teach us your ways. Show us what it means to grow up, to become more like you. You are the example, the author and the finisher of our faith. Grant us the wisdom, the spirit of understanding and revelation. Holy Spirit, enable us to do what we are sometimes struggling to understand and able to do. Thank you for giving us your grace that nothing is impossible. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. James says something very strange to the ears of this world. Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy when you fall into various trials of different challenges. And so does Peter and Paul and Jesus himself say the same thing. Peter says in 1 Peter 1, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul writes, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character and character hope. And hope does not put to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, how is it possible that we can rejoice, find it pure joy in the midst of suffering? Only if you understand what it develops and ultimately leads to. If you understand what suffering produces and leads to, only then can you find it pure joy when you face it. Who of you have ever ran the comrades? Anybody here? There we go. Cape Epic? Anybody? Doozy Marathon? A marathon! <laughs> A bark run. <laughs> For some, that is like a doozy. <laughs> a bark run, you can walk, however. <laughs> Any one of you trying to get fit through running or cycling? Anyone? Trying just to get fit. Who of you like the process of getting fit when you're unfit? It's not nice. It's not nice. I used to be a cyclist. And after about seven years, I thought I'll get back into training again since, you know, it's kind of now or never. 
And I got on my bike again and I must have done probably 100,000 kilometers on a saddle in my life. And that first day I went out on this new road and I thought I'll take it easy, I'll go on the tar road. And after 15 minutes, my butt was so sore. I asked myself, why? Why do people do this? It is excruciating. Because I still had my racing saddle on, which literally is just a piece of plastic. There is no cushioning to save weight. Because back in the day when I was racing, it was all about weight. And so I came back home limping. Thinking, no, I'll continue to play hockey now. <laughs> it is not a pleasant process to become fit. It is not a pleasant process to develop endurance. Endurance requires going through suffering and not giving up. It's called endurance. Steadfastness. Patience, the same Greek word. And so this is a process. To get fit really means you build your body through resistance and suffering to increase its ability to endure suffering. <laughs> to the point where you can endure suffering to the very end. Who have you ever ran the comrades? Uh, or the epic? It's not that... When you are fit, there is no longer suffering. All that happens is, initially I can only suffer for a half an hour. And then I get to suffer for an hour. And then for two hours. And three hours. And I end up being able to suffer for 12 hours. But that's what happens. You get fit. And yes, the first three hours are no longer suffering. The suffering only starts after four hours. But you still need to endure to the end. And that's the whole process of getting fit. And then, the more you do a climb, I, I, I love mountains. My speciality in cycling was climbing. So when others saw a mountain and their, um, their, hulle moet dit gesak, wanneer ek a bot sien, dan raak ek opgewonde. Because here I can gain positions. <laughs> I can pass people. So when but when I do my training, all the mountains are not easy. I have to ride them often enough, long enough, that I become fit enough, that when I see a mountain, I no longer cry. But I say, praise the Lord. <laughs> I can gain some positions. And I embrace the mountain, no longer with fear, but with great joy. Knowing, I'm going to finish this mountain and gain some positions. And so too spiritually, we grow. It's not always nice to wake up in the morning at five, when it's raining outside and warm inside. You're tired and stiff of yesterday's training, but you decide to do it anyway. Because you're doing it for a purpose. <laughs> I remember training for the epic, we were living in England. The sun does not shine there. It rains. So you cycle in the rain. I remember at that time, 
Um, who of you are epic mothers or wives? Epic wives? Comrade wives? Any, any comrade wives? In other words, your husband did, did the comrades and you had to watch him alone <laughs> at home. He'd not be there most of the time. Why? Because he's training for something that you do not understand. If, if you speak about the epic to my wife, she will get a nervous twitch. She did not participate with me in my suffering. She suffered a whole different kind of suffering. My eldest was born three weeks before the epic. Our firstborn. And uh, the father was renovating the flat and training for the epic. No, I didn't. I wasn't there. I, I renovated the house or the flat from 7 till 11 at night because we bought the flat. We thought it will be renovated before the child comes and then it was in an estate. And so the sale took much longer, three months longer. And by the time we got the flat, the day of transfer was the same day Danielle said, Hi, I'm here. My child was born on the day of transfer. And we walked into the flat, and it was an absolute mess. I had to rip out the floors, the ceilings, the wallpaper, the bathroom, the kitchen, and start from scratch. And it's three weeks before the epic, and I have to train. So what I did is I used, I used to wake up early in the morning at 6, go to the flat at 7, work until 11 at night, come back home, see my wife and Danielle for an hour or two, and then I got in the turbo trainer between 12 and 3 in the morning, training for the epic. Because it's raining outside and it's dark, but the epic is in three weeks' time. So I trained. And then I went to bed for two, three hours, and then I started working again. That's why my wife has a nervous twitch when you talk about the epic. <laughs> But, but we understand the goal. <laughs> and we understand the process to be equipped for the goal. And so we are willing to endure great suffering for it. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that was set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We are called to run a race. With endurance. What is the prize? What is the process? And what is the cost? For that, you'll need to come back next week. Because if I did that today, it would take very long. So this morning is simply an introduction to running a race to become mature, complete, not lacking anything, through embracing suffering and hardship. So that it can shape us to become mature, complete, not lacking anything. Today, 
The only thing that I want to bring across is that not all suffering is outside of God's will, His purpose, His mercy and grace. But we are called to embrace it, not to run from it. John 16, Jesus said, A time is coming and in fact has come when you will all be scattered, each one of you to your home. You will leave me all alone. Yet, I am not alone. For my Father is with me. I've told you these things that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. 1 Peter says, But even if we should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats or be troubled. But sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame, defame you as evildoers. Those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. James 5 continues, but be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until he receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Endurance, steadfastness. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those who remained steadfast, blessed. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Romans 8 says, And we know that all things work together for the good. For those who are called, for those who, are love, who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined, to be conformed to the image of His Son, that we may be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called, and whom He called, these He also justified, and whom He justified, these He also glorified. You see, the process of going through suffering leads us to glory. It leads us to maturity, Completeness, completeness, not lacking anything. If you want to grow to become mature, complete, not lacking anything, embrace suffering, trials, disappointments, tribulations, and setbacks. Next week, our training will begin. What is the goal? What is the purpose? And what is the cost? The price, the process, and the cost. But I will leave you with this. James 1 continues to say, verse 12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. 
For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised those who love him. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we can come together and know that you are with us. Know that you love us. Know that you've called us, predestined us to conform to the image and the likeness of your Son. Thank you, Lord, that we have an example that has gone before us. We embraced suffering because of the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross and the shame that came along with it. And he was never alone because you were with him. Lord, I thank you that you call us to do the same. Lord, help us in our trials that we will also be able to overcome what you have called us to. Help us not to be afraid when we see storms and tribulations, but let us also grow to this place that with great joy we can face it. Not always looking for a way of escape, but looking to you to call us to step out of our boat. And walk on water. Face our storms. Overcome it. Because to that we are called. To overcome. And Lord I pray that as we consider your calling. Lord that you will help us by your grace. Thank you God that whatever you call us to do. You give us the ability and the grace to do. And Lord so I want to pray for each and every person here today. Lord that might be going through a storm. A trial. A setback. A disappointment. Lord, I pray not only for hope, for deliverance, but for your grace to persevere and overcome. Because that is what you called us to. Not to escape, but to overcome. Thank you, God, that you've set us the example how to carry the cross to the end. Thank you, God, that your promises stand. Not only will you be with us, but you're waiting for us on the other end with great reward. So, Lord, I pray that you will help us to consider these things. Help us not to be afraid, but let us humble ourselves before you and ask you for wisdom. Ask you for grace. Ask you to come and do what is impossible for us, but yet possible for you. And so while our eyes are closed, if you are here today and you're going through a storm, a trial, a setback, you are suffering, I want to encourage you this morning. Don't find it strange, but embrace it. Ask God to help you to overcome it so that you may grow in endurance. That after your faith has been tested, when it endures, you will grow to a point where you become mature, complete, not lacking anything. Father, I want to pray while all the eyes are closed. If, if you're going through a storm in this stage, and you need grace, you need God to give you wisdom or the strength, face it 
don't you just respond to him by raising your hand. Say, Lord, here I am. I need your grace. Just where you are, just respond to him. And as you raise your hand, I want to make another outer call. As you consider the storm that you're facing. If you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to God. You're trying to face life on your own. Your way, your wisdom, and that of the world. There is a better way. There is a sure way. There is a way that leads to life. And that's Jesus Christ. If you want to accept Him as your Lord and Savior, invite Him to be in your boat and lead you through your storms. I want to give you an opportunity to surrender your life right now. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do it right now by just raising your hand. If that is you and you want to give your life, just respond to Him now. Just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Thank you for that hand. Is there anyone else? Thank you. This is what today is all about. It starts here. You can drop your hand. Those who respond to the Lord, those who cry out, will be saved. It's like Peter when he finally got to walk on water and he saw the circumstances, the wind and the waves, and he started to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus he didn't leave him to sink. He grabbed his hand, pulled him out, and walked with him back to the boat. Still on the water. So I want to ask if you raised your hand, if you're in a storm, if you need his wisdom, if you need his grace, if you're surrendering your life to him for the very first time, I want to ask you to come forward and we're going to pray with you. We're going to ask God for his wisdom, for his grace, and for your salvation. So if you're, let's all stand. And if, if, you, if you raised your hand, I want to ask the facilitators to also come forward. But if you raised your hand, we want to pray with you today. You should not face your storm alone. You should not face it in fear. You should not be afraid. But you should take courage and great joy because you are not alone. And it is God that calls us to face our storms. And it is God that will enable us to overcome our storms. So whether it is sickness, finance, conflict, or the lack of provision, whatever you are facing, if you need wisdom, if you need His grace, please come forward and we're going to pray with you. So quickly come forward right now. I'm going to ask the worship team just to lead us for a moment. And I want us all to respond. Just take a moment where you are. Just speak to the Lord. Bring your own life, your own circumstances before Him. And just speak to Him. Whatever stood out for you this morning, just respond to Him in your own words, just where you're at, as we continue to worship. For those who want to receive ministry, please come forward and we're going to pray with you.
We are going to uh, dismiss the service. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome to grab a coffee outside. Um, we are still going to remain in the front and minister. If there's anyone that needs prayer, you're welcome to join us in the front. But thank you for those that have, have come.